0: We are kicking off a new series today. It's going to be called The Sacred Made Practical. And what we're going to do, this is going to be a different kind of series than really we've probably ever done before. Um, we're going to go full on deep, deep dive into the book of James. And so if you, um, James is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite books of the Bible, um, it is so practical. Um, you read it and you go, Oh, and you read it again. And it feels like God just smacked you in the forehead with a two by four. Then you read it again and he got the backside. Yeah. It just, it's so practical over and over and over again. And so what we're going to do here in this moment is we're going to step into James and we're just going to stay there. And so, um, we've, we do a lot of different kinds of, of preaching here at the church. We do some topical stuff. We do some uh, stuff that goes along with our small groups. We do, uh, (laughs) this is going to be like serious, deep, the big churchy word is called exegetical. Um, it's a $2 word you get. I paid for it in college here. You get it for free. Okay. Uh, so, uh, it's an exegetical uh, type study where we're going to just really, really, really step into, um, what's going on in the scripture and what that has to do. Because I'm a firm believer that if we start to understand the context in which the scripture is written in, we'll start to see how it applies into our own context of our own lives. Okay. And so, uh, Crazily enough, the Roman Empire in the time of the Mediterranean, um, of Jesus' time, is a lot. It shares a lot of commonalities with us in America in 2018. And a lot of cultural stuff, um, a lot of different things that we struggle with, they struggled with. Materialism was still a thing. Uh, adultery was still a thing. Pornography was still a thing. Stealing was still a thing. Lying was still a thing. Political corruption was still a thing. That's not our thing, right? Uh, so, you know, we, we have have all these different things that James is stepping into and they they apply to us as well today. So we've got, um, got a lot of reading to do here in James. James is a small uh, book in the back of your Bible. I would urge you to go ahead and take that out, get it up, pull it up on your phone. However, you consume the scripture, uh, make that available to yourself today. Some weeks we are, I have no idea how long this series is going to be. Um, some weeks we're going to cover maybe seven, eight verses and, uh, other weeks it will be much less than that. Like today, we're covering seven words. Yes. The seven words we're going to, we're going to hopefully get through James by the time my one-year-old daughter graduates college. And, uh, so that's, that's what we're doing. Uh, and how, how it's going on. Uh, the strategy behind this is when I do a men's group during life group time on Monday nights where we do deep dives on the scripture like this which always happens, their wives come to me and go, well, why do the men only get that? Well, sorry, uh, you're not invited to men's group. But also, um, two, this is going to be a little bit more like that, except without the fun questions back and forth. And probably more appropriate humor. Maybe. Uh, no, no promises there. We'll try. Uh, so. James chapter one. Um, I also want to urge you, um, if you didn't, don't have a note-taking device here today, uh, whether that be pen and paper or whatever you use, I'd urge you to probably bring that next week, um, or grab a worship folder for you today. This is really, 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 really kind of different kind of style of teaching this morning. Um, but I think it'd be really, really helpful to you, especially as you start to read the scripture. Uh, what I did this challenge when we did, uh, under construction in the fall, was to read the Sermon on the Mount every week throughout the series, this would be, I would like you to read the book of James every week. It's only like six chapters. So uh, read the book of James every week as we go through this. That will take you about 15 minutes um, if you're a decently fast reader. Like it's really not that long, okay? But uh, every time you read through that, you're going to go, ooh, ooh, I didn't see that last time. I didn't, what about this question? When you read it and you have a question, no matter how silly you think it is, or how deep you think it is, feel free to send me an email, uh, text, Facebook me, whatever you'd like to do, uh, carrier pigeon works as well, I, whatever, give me the questions, because that will directly inform how I preach when I get to those verses, okay? Because if you have that question, I guarantee you that other people in this room had that same question, no matter how silly you think it is, or how deep, if you think that's the greatest question in mankind, someone else in here had the same question, so you're not that special, uh, but uh, anyway. Sorry, Bree, Bree, you are that special. All right, so, okay. Um, Here we go. Open your Bibles to James. Our goal for our time in James will be to show you how the sacred can be practical because that's what James does in this book. He just, he starts unpacking. His whole bent of this book is to show basically Jewish Christians or just Jews that are pre-Christian, maybe interested in the whole Jesus thing, how this all works. Because remember, James is writing in about 8050. He's writing at just... Christianity is baby, 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 just baby, 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 baby. And he's writing this and kind of saying, okay, guys, this is how this works. Because is this going to be an offshoot of Judaism? Is it going to be its own thing? How do we deal with the Gentile question? Do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to do the kosher laws? Do they have to do, how, how does this all work? And so James, being the leader of the Jerusalem church, probably the most influential leader uh, in all of uh, Christianity, Peter's out doing his thing. Paul's kind of doing his thing. But James is holding down the fort in Jerusalem and he said, all right, guys, this is going to be how we do it. Very, very, very practical, very nuts and bolts. You can tell that his, his father was a carpenter when you read this, right? He's like, all right, how we do this? Here's the building plan. Let's work on it. Now, who is James? Why does he have the authority to speak into my life? Why does he have the authority to write a book in the Bible? That's a fantastic question. James is thought to be the brother of Jesus, the half brother He doesn't have the whole God heritage, okay? Um, So he's the son, probably the second son. Jesus is the the firstborn of them. James is probably uh, Joseph and Mary's son, and then there's other brothers uh, along with that, okay? So that's who he is. Now think about that and all that entails. Can you imagine your teenage years and your older brother is the son of God? I'm an only child. I have no frame of reference for this. Until I had twins. They can't stop picking and fighting. And... Me as the only child, just want to take their heads and... What is your problem? And Kelly's like, this is what they do. And I'm like, no, you don't do that. You go to your own place. You play with your own Legos. You t- Stay away from everybody else. <sighs> Sorry, you guys don't need to know. That's not in the message. Um, but if that guy... The guy who has to deal with perfect, you're so perfect. You're the oldest. Yeah, I actually am because, you know, my dad's God. Jesus wouldn't say that because that would have been very self-serving. But anyway, you can, you can see that. There been a little sibling rivalry, but you have no hope of winning that sibling rivalry. Right? There's this, this context going on there. Now, there's a, a different theory. So for our people who grew up uh, being Catholic, um, for our Catholic brothers and sisters, they would hold probably a little different view of, of who James is. James, um, in that theory, is that he is, st- is Joseph's son um, from a, a previous marriage before, uh, before uh, and then that wife would have died, and then he would have married Mary. So that's, the, I think, the, the Catholic understanding of where James came from. Um, they're both theories. The important part is he grew up brother of Jesus. Okay, so it doesn't matter exactly all that stuff. It matters who's the brother of Jesus. Got that part? Cool. All right. Um, James one one. James, a bond servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you have an NIV version that might read James, a servant of God and of Jesus Christ. And if you have an NLT version, it might say Jesus, a slave of God and of Jesus Christ. I picked this translation, the New American Standard Version, because it says bond servant. The word here is doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. u l will be on the screen later. You don't have to go to it yet. But uh, doulos, and it has all these meanings. We choose um, to usually pick servant because it's a little less abrasive, right? We have, as Americans, we have a history with slavery that we're like, we're not going to use that word because that brings up all kinds of stuff. The problem with that is, is we ignore a ton of what Dulos is trying to say for us. If we just use slave, that means, well, we didn't have a choice. I just was born into this. Someone captured me. Someone stole me. Someone bought me. I didn't have a choice. Bond servant is different because bond servant is a choice that if I owed Paul a ton of money and I know I can never pay him back, I say, listen, I will sell myself to you to pay off my debt. And that's a bond servant. You see the, see the three differences? The one that usually is being used and alluded to in the scripture that Jesus alludes to, that Paul alludes to, and that James here is alluding to is the loss, the bond servant. Now we don't have that. We don't have endangered servanthood anymore, right? Well, we probably do. We just kind of turn our blind eye to it, but, uh, ask any college student about student loans and they'll probably say, no, I still feel that way. Um, but the bond servant is the attitude in which we're, we're going for here today. And I want to, I want to hit that, but we're going to, we're going to explore that a ton today. So kind of get ready. Um, for some more do lost talk. All right, James, the brother of Jesus, is the author, and this is important to see because James is saying, James, the servant, the slave, the bond servant of God and of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine any of your children or you yourself saying to any of your siblings, "I am beholden, I am servant, I am slave"? to my brother or my sister. Could you imagine that? So there's some younger siblings in here who like, that sounds like my life, <laughs> right? That's not how they, you, but a bond servant, I am willfully choosing to be under the authority of Jesus. Now, think about this. If you've struggled with the historical accuracy of who Jesus is, this is, if you've heard, you know, your friends or somebody else saying it's just a myth or whatever, all this stuff. James, the brother of Jesus says he is the Christos, the Christ, the Messiah. He is the son of God. If anyone's going to debunk it. If anyone, and James even actually tries. There's a, a passage in the Gospels where Mary and his brothers come and say, hey, Jesus, come home. You're talking a little crazy talk. Come, come on home. And he's like, no, stop it. So there's a change in James. He believes that Jesus is who he says he is. He believes wholeheartedly. And in fact, James will be beheaded because he believes that Jesus is the son of God. If there's ever someone in your life who's going to say, well, I call it. Nope, 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 nope. This is a bunch of stuff. I'm not losing my head. It was cool while it lasted. The popularity was all right. Nope, nope, nope. I'm walking away. James would have been that guy. Instead, he writes probably the most practical of all the the letters in the Bible to say, this is how we apply our faith in Judaism and God and how it takes it to the next level and being a Christian. That's what he does. Does this make sense? So, um, just want to kind of step into that for a second because that's really important in our understanding of, of how this book works and of how uh, James would have worked. And it's one of those things that always sticks in my, my head when I think, is this real? You know, was this just some guys that made up some stuff? This is his own, very own brother said it and he lost his head because of it. At some point, you'd be like, ah, pfft, pfft. I might have misremembered. Officer, but he doesn't. He loses his head for it. James, the brother of Jesus. All right. Um, now we're going to go back to doulos. If you want to bring that up to the screen, doulos. This means slave, bond servant, servant. I want to stay with that bond servant idea. So, in your Bible, if it says something else, it's not necessarily wrong. The doulos can mean all, and be translated in all these things. But let's. In your head, just kind of think bondservant, 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 bondservant. Being sold, selling yourself to someone else. Can you imagine where you're at? And there's all kinds of different stuff in the Roman um, kind of context of why this would happen. Maybe you wanted an education. Usually slaves are the most educated people. Almost all doctors were slaves. That's why we think the guy who wrote um, the books Luke and Acts, Luke was a doctor, and we also think he was a slave um, because of his position of that. What a reversal in uh, you know, I pay medical bills too, but so <laughs> what a reversal in, uh, in fortunes on that. But if you were going to be educated, you probably were a slave because your owner would uh, pay for your education. And that was just how that worked. And so if you wanted to be a doctor, you would come to some rich guy who needs, is going to need a primary care physician, and you would say, listen, I want to do this. I, I'm, I'm infatuated with, with health and doing these things. I want to be a doctor. Will you buy my, me and my education? And so there would be this transaction of I would buy it. Maybe you are on the run. Maybe you have occurred all this debt, and you are going to someone and saying, listen, I owe you a lot of money, like I talked about with Paul. Will you buy my baggage. Will you buy my debt? Will you buy my past and be in charge of me? And this is the way out. And so James is clearly using due loss to, to bring, and everyone would have known that this is what uh, is going on here with due loss. And it's something that we kind of lose. So bond servant is willfully choosing to be under the leadership, the ownership, and the rule of someone else, forfeiting all rights to yourself to say, you are in charge of me. See, when we use the word servant, we have a problem because servant comes with the implicit clock out card, right? If I have a nanny, if I had a maid, if I had a, you know, you call a cleaning service to come clean your house because the relatives are coming and you ain't got time for that, right? They come and you go click, click, and then here's your $100 and you clean my house. And I have no idea what it costs. We never have got but but I'm hoping. Uh, so you, you put time in and you time out and you're done and you go home to your family, do your own thing. That's a servant, Right? That's not what James is talking about at all. He's saying a bond servant, someone who does not clock in and clock out, someone who's fully under the authority, the leadership, the rule of someone else. You are there. You have become and chosen to become a slave with no clock out cards. Does this make sense? See the difference why that's an important distinction to draw in that? Because if I'm honest with myself and you're probably honest with yourself that you have a kind of a servant mentality when you're talking about Jesus and Christianity is you clock in on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And if, if Jared's not done preaching by 11, you're already clocking out whether I'm talking or not. I've done that and I'm the one preaching. Okay. So you (laughs) true confessions, uh, Right, and we have this clock in, clock out. I'm going to be, a, a, I'm going to do that now and here, and 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 what works. Not this lifestyle of a complete submission. And there's a problem: is we flip this, we get this so so messed up. Is we see ourselves as the owner. We see ourselves as the boss, and we're like uh, Jesus. If you could get on that, that'd be great if you could do this, that'd be great. And your job description is this, this, and this. And if you could handle that by Tuesday, that would be fantastic. The slave is not the master of this. See the problem with that? Our attitude as we become Christians, our attitude as we step into this lifestyle of being a Jesus follower is saying, no, 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 no. When I become a Christian, I become a bond servant. I come with all my baggage, with all my stuff, with all the junk, with all my past, with all the things I've done wrong and all the stuff I will do wrong. And I say, I need you to be my Lord. I need you to be in charge. I need you to take care of it all. You see the, the difference in that? Because we do that all the time. We do it all the time. But that's such a wrong way of viewing the way this whole works out. And so in just these few little words, James is writing to Jews all over the Mediterranean. And what he's saying is, I am a loss, I have chosen to be a slave of God and of Jesus Christ. I've chosen to do it. I'm putting myself under his leadership, his rule. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, so that's, that's what's happening here. And we're only into six, word, six or seven words into the the scripture. And that's how much is in there. But when we read it, how many, we don't spend that much time on the introduction of a letter in the Bible. You're like, okay, good. James wrote it. Good, 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 good. There's so much in there. And he's also writing to Jewish Christians all over the world. And this is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, We're going to, we're going to talk a lot about the second half of the verse next week. I'll probably get more than half verse, but uh, uh, we're going to talk a lot about that because of who he's speaking to He's saying, I have put myself in this indentured servanthood, in the slavery of God and of Jesus Christ. And for he's saying that for a specific, specific reason. He sees all these Christians or, and these Jews who are struggling with this idea of how does Christian, Christianity, the followers of Christ, do with this kind of birthright of being a Jew? Being Jewish is not just a religion. It is your nationality. It is your culture. It is your business uh, opportunities. It is, I cannot overstate how important being a Jew is to being a Jew. Okay? That it's, it's more than identity. It's more than citizenship. It's who you are, and it's who you can be, and it's who you're going to be. It's who you're going to marry. It's who you're going to associate with. It's everything to you. And... So you have this, these people who are very interested, specifically all over the Mediterranean, very interested in this idea of Christ. Or maybe they've already said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be an adherent of, of Christianity um, or of, of Jesus at this time. But how does that work with Judaism? Because I got the kosher laws, which is all the, the fancy ways you got to cook food. So it, it, it fits with Levitical law. I gotta do the whole circumcision thing, and so are we a circumcising adult males because that's really hurting our evangelism, right? Um, it's in the scripture. I'm not even making that up. But like this, uh, and James has the answer to this. They come back to the council in in uh, Jerusalem, and in Acts chapter 15, James says. It is my judgment, therefore, and there's all this argument going back and forth, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. That there's people interested in this God and, and, in this Yahweh God and this Judaism type God, like what's going on here? Let's not make it difficult. We want to introduce him to Jesus, and so this is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important as he's putting that in there. Because if he just says being James a bond servant of God, full stop. We have a problem because now we've put Jesus not as God. We've put Jesus as a prophet. We have put Jesus as a teacher. We have put Jesus as a rabbi and, and Jesus isn't having the, the acclaim that he should not in proper place instead, because if you write that to all these Jews all over the Mediterranean, they're like, Oh, I don't have to pay attention to, to Jesus. Does this make sense? Why that's important? Okay. And so he says, James, a bond servant uh, of God and of the Christ Jesus, And for them, they would have read the Messiah, the chosen one, the son of God, boom. Okay. That puts it in parameters here, this bondservant idea. And so he goes on for the rest of the book. The rest of the book is framed in this idea. How do I become the best bondservant of Jesus that I possibly can? That's what the rest of it's about in our context, through our Judaism, through, um, through, uh, me being in a different city, me being the best Roman, me being the best person, me being the best, basically missionary. And wherever I'm at all over the Roman empire, how do I do? How am I the best bond servant being bought my past being bought by Jesus? How do I do the best of that being a Jew and being a Christian at the same time? So what he's actually arguing is being a bond servant to Christ makes us a better Jew because he's writing in that Jewish mindset. Being a bond servant being this chosen been redeemed by God, being bought by a price by Jesus, makes him a better jew he 's loving God more by loving Christ. see the thought and the fear that the, the Jewish Christians were having was, if I choose Jesus, I'm abandoning Yahweh. I'm abandoning the Old Testament. I'm abandoning the God that's been with us for everything. I'm abandoning my culture. I'm abandoning uh, who I am. I'm abandoning my family. And James is saying, that's not true. It's a yes and. And the more that you love Jesus and the more that you step into that, the more you're going to love your family, the more you're going to love um, your culture, the more you're going to love your community, the more you're going to love your scripture, because Remember, they don't have a Bible. Their Bible, as they're looking at it, is the Old Testament. They don't have a New Testament. And so James is like, yeah, step into that, because that's what Jesus is always pointing to. Does this make sense? Okay, this is a big point, <laughs> so I wanna, I'll go slower if it needs to happen. But I would I'd submit to you in that same mentality that we have today is that being a bondservant to Christ for us makes us better Americans. Being a bondservant for Christ, for them, made them better Jews. And being a bondservant to Christ makes us a better American. And we get that twisted. We get that flipped. They're like, if I'm, a, I'm an American first, and then if Christ works in there, it's okay. I am not a slave to the United States of America. I have mobility. I could drive to Mexico tomorrow if I wanted to. I could drive to, to Canada. I'd have some problems, but I could get there. I'm not in that. But to Jesus, I am a full-on bondservant. He owns You see the difference? Now, if I apply the, the, the things that are going on in James to who I am and become the best Christian I possibly can be, by just the way it works, I'll be a better citizen of America. I will be a better parent. I will be a better husband. I will be a better employee. I will be a better owner of a business. Everything increases. Everything gets better. Everything steps up. When I... Fully step into being a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now you're like, why did you bring politics into this? Because that's what James is doing. Because the political question was, am I supposed to get fully into Judaism and protect Judaism? And am I supposed to hunker down and be like, no, you can't do this. No, 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 no. It wasn't about the parties. It wasn't about the Sadducees. It wasn't about the Pharisees. It wasn't about the Zealots. It wasn't about all the uh, the scenes, the political factions that Jews had. Just like I'm saying here, it's not about being the Republican or the Libertarian or the or the Democrat or whatever. It's like no, 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 no. I become the best sold out servant of Jesus Christ I possibly can be, and then I will be the best American that there ever was. That's where we need to be heading. Amen. So. I bring those up not to get stuck into in politics stuff because, like you know, church as a paying a pastor, I get to talk about the mo- the two things that you're not supposed to ever talk about. Three, I talk about money, <laughs> I talk about politics, I talk about religion. Yay, great conversation starters with everybody else. Feel awkward, um, but we have to step into this because we have to reclaim this moment to say, wait, 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 because I have friends in this church in this moment here that are incredibly farther left of me on the political spectrum. And I have friends in this church right now that are incredibly farther right than me on the political spectrum. And you know what? We can get along. And we can do life together. And some of you who are on the... Woo! As far as I'm going, I don't know how this relationship is going to work. We're going to hit and it's going to be like Hurricane Sandy, a superstorm. And you guys go on vacations together. And I don't understand how it happens. You know how it happens? Is we keep our eyes on that. Because being a bondservant of Christ... It takes care of all that stuff because if I keep the main thing, the main thing, I don't have to worry about all this stuff. Let's be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So how do we operate as a bondservant? What does this have to do with us? How do we make practical choices that's going to affect our lives? How do we work through all that? The rest of James is all about that. And so um, we're going to just kind of quickly go over some of the topics that we're going to cover because when the, the, the thinking sometimes is if we do an exegetical sermon series and we're going line by line through the scripture, it's not going to be very you know applicable to my life. Well, this is just a few of the things that James talks about. And so this is, is coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we must submit our priorities to Jesus. Anybody have a problem with their to-do list, right? No one raised their hand because you're like, I'm here, Jared. I'm here on Sunday morning. Uh, We must submit our priorities to Jesus. Kids, mess up your priority list so stinking bad. Like, Bowen has been playing baseball for three weeks. We've already had something scheduled on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We already had a makeup game during a dress rehearsal for something here at Sunday morning. We haven't played our first game yet. I'm already making these choices, right? We must submit our priorities to Jesus. We must submit our actions to Jesus. All of it goes to Jesus. If we are a bond servant, that means we're not the master. We're not the one who says, do this, do that, do this. We are saying, you have bought and paid for my past, my stuff, my junk, and I am under you. We must submit our tongue to Jesus. Ugh. Even what I say, but I like saying those pithy comments, and I come like back. Must submit our priorities, our actions, and our tongue to Jesus. We must submit our money to Jesus. What? what t- Stop talking, Jared. We must submit our money to Jesus because, guess what, guys? It goes back to the bond servant mentality. If I am submitting myself, and I'm saying, Jesus, I need you to buy my past, my junk, my 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 all my debt then I'm submitting to you because I'm now becoming a bond servant to you. Do you see how under, understanding that one little word, do loss, is so important to how we understand how the whole Christianity thing works? Okay. We must, there's more. I know you guys were excited about that. We must submit our marriages to Jesus. We must submit our marriages to Jesus, the outcomes of our marriages, the conversations we have with our, our marriages, the chores that have to be done at house. We have to submit all of that to be God-honoring. Now that's difficult because that person's crazy and they live with me and they don't go away because this is their house too. (laughs) I mean, I don't have any of that problems, Uh, but uh, you, you, you have crazy people you live with, not me. Because my wife listens to these messages. Uh, So we must submit our parenting to Jesus. And the only way you're going to survive parenting is my kids get older. um, When, Lucy is 14 months old. I can control her. If she starts screaming and crying, I can put on the sound machine, put her in the crib and be like, bye. There's nothing in there for you to choke on, nothing for you to do. I'm cool. Ah, oh, woosah, 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 calm down, right? I can, I can control her. My kids, my twins are eight. Choking is not an acceptable po- possibility of habit, right? Ah! <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, it is in certain cases. Uh, so, um. You know you can't. You're like they, the older they get, the less you can control them, and that's just the way it works. We the only way to survive these little hellions that we're raising uh, is because they're just like you. So you know exactly what you're getting is by submitting our parenting to Jesus. Kendall acts so much like Kelly, and it drives her bananas. And Bowen acts just like me, and it drives me bananas. She's got all the patience in the world with Bowen, and I got and she. Kendall drives her bananas. Like, it's so funny. I'm like, what is the problem? She's just like you. And she's like, how do you live with me? <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, eh, well, I'm going to leave that. See, I submitted my tongue, and I didn't say anything. <laughs> so it's <was> good. <laughs> Gold sticker. Uh, all right. We must submit. And this is interesting. We submit our health to Jesus. We are consumed with longevity of, longevity of life. Our whole, like... our whole idea of who we are is I got to live forever. I got to live forever. I got to do all these health things and um, I got to run this much and I got to eat these lettuce. And, uh, you know, Bob Barker, the guy from like, you know, whatever it was, the amazing, whatever his shows on, not Bob Barker, uh, Bob. uh, What's the other Bob, Bob Harper, the guy from biggest loser. He's like the most fit guy in the history of mankind had a heart attack. I'm like, Hey, I can eat whatever I want. The most fit guy I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, So that was not, not pushing me to eat better or work out. I was like, well, if he's going to, there's no hope for me. Uh, but we must submit our health to Jesus. Why? We get so consumed with all the things that we have to do to maybe live another year or whatever, that we make a living longer our God, not God. This is hard to think about. It's so hard to work through. Because our health like we that that, that consumes who we are but really when we are the bondservant of them we put it all into Jesus's hands. And that's so important. So important. That's how we can deal with some of the really the curveballs that our our body fails us. Our body all of a sudden just starts doing weird things. You're like what's going on? Why is that happening? We submit our priorities, our actions, our tongue, <laughs> our money, our marriages, our parenting, and our health to Jesus. All right. I got one more thing here for you. Um, got some fun words because I was always I studying slavery and this whole bond service idea in first century um, Roman Empire. This, this really revolutionized the way I even look at the word doulos. So we've talked a lot about what doulos is, is the buying of my past, the buying of my debt, the buying of my stuff, and, and, and giving me a new life and a new opportunity under, this, under your leadership and rule. Okay? And this is what actually happened. Everyone would have understood this. Everyone in the Roman Empire would have understood this idea. We don't understand slavery. We think of slavery as it's a, like a race thing and, and, and the whole, we are jaded by, uh, and rightfully so, um, the, the horrendous atrocities of slavery here in this country. However, the Roman Empire is not, ba- there's race issues going on, but it's not based on that. It's a socio economical thing that anybody could have been a slave at any time. 40% of working age adults in the Roman Empire were thought to be slaves. To put that in perspective for you, 40% of working age Americans have college degrees. So, just think in your mind right now, everyone that you know that has a college degree, associates or bachelors or masters or whatever, is now a slave. For me, that means I'm a slave. It means my wife's a slave. It means my dad's a slave. It means my mom's a slave. It means all my best friends are slaves. It means... Uh, Johanna's a slave. That means uh, Mike was a slave. That means, that's crazy. Now I'm not trying to brag that everyone's got a college degree in my family. That's just, wow, 40%. That's insane to think about this. And so what happens, like the whole government, the whole structure, uh, the whole way in which it's it's doing is 40% is had, had experienced. You knew someone, were married to, or your kids were, at some point, experienced being a doulos, a bond servant. Does that bring it home a little bit for you? It, to me, I was sitting in my office and I read those stats. I was like, "What?" Bond servant. Now there's this thing in, in, built in the culture called manumission, M-A-N-U mission. Manumission. It's the buying or being given freedom. And so bond servanthood was usually, it was kind of an unwritten rule. It was usually about 10 years you would submit yourself. So if I went to Steve and said, Steve, I need you to buy me on my debt and all my past and all this stuff. And then I would start working and he would have a, a bank account where I started earning a dollar a day for the next 10 years. And then at the end of those 10 years, I said, Hey, Jared, today you bought your freedom. But that, even that buying that freedom, that's where the, actually the word liber, uh, libertas comes from. The idea that we have of liberty comes from this being set free of a slave in the Roman Empire. I thought that was kind of neat when I was, was thinking about it. But so as Steve sets me free, now me and Steve have a tra, uh, transactional relationship where he has now, I have, I'm beholden to him. He set me free. I'm pretty happy with Steve, right? So there's almost this godfather type mentality. Steve's like, you got your freedom, but there may be a day in which I need something from you. And you guys, <laughs> you guys all have the scene playing in your head, right? Uh, there may be a day, and I, it may never come, that uh, I need something from you. And now I'm beholden to Steve for that. And actually, the, the, if you're a Harry Potter fan, he is, his technical term is a Patronus. So you're welcome for that. Uh, so anybody who read the books, like, oh, how oh, funny. Um, so he is now my patronus, which comes to the fact of he's my protector. He's my sponsor. He's my benefactor. And so now I'm always beholden to him. He has let me be free. He's given me liberty, but he is now my protector, my sponsor, my benefactor. So when James says, James, a bond servant, a, I have sold myself to Jesus to God and to Jesus, I have put myself underneath that. But then Jesus in John chapter 8 says, if the Son, being himself, sets you free, then you will be free indeed. So what is happening is this contractual obligation that everyone there would have understood that this week is the first time I put it together, is what's happening is he's saying, you come to Jesus with all your stuff, with all your junk, with all your past, with all the debt, with all the sin, with all your junky past and addictions and all the... the The trash that you come into here with, you come into that. He buys it all. And then the son says, you know what? I take it all, but I set you free. And if the son sets you free, you are free indeed, which means you don't have this obligation. You don't have this, this, this Godfather mentality that you don't have. You are free indeed. Do you, do you see, see how that works? So to every single person in the Roman Empire, 40% of the people would have known what slavery or had experienced this type of slavery in their life. They would have known what it was like and to have the hope spoken into them that you can come with me, come to me with all that junk, with all your past, with all your debt, with all your stuff, and I will redeem it, I will buy it, and then I will set you free. So when James says... James, a bond servant of Jesus, of God and of Jesus. He's saying, Listen, I'm a guy who's got stuff who's been bought for, and I've been set free. To you in this morning, there is stuff, there is past, there's junk, there's sin, there's messes that you need to come to before Jesus and say, God, I need you to pay for my stuff. In this moment, in this time here right now on a rainy cold April day I need to come before you and say I need you to be lord of my life and when we say that when we say I want you to be lord of my life what that implies is I will be your bond servant you have paid a price for me and you set me free pray with me band come on up God thank you so much for today For those people in this room right now who are saying, yeah, I need to be set free. I need this kind of change in my life, this dramatic alteration of, of how my life's going. God, right now I want to submit to you my heart. I want to submit to you my mind. I want to submit to you my body. I want to submit to you my priorities and my money and my health and my, all the other things that go along with that. God, that you would take complete control of me, that I would be your bond servant with the hope and the promise that you set me free and you set me free indeed. God, right now I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you every facet of it. I trust you with it all. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen.